have your Bibles is Matthew 28, the famous Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. We've been kind of based in John chapter 4 for the last three weeks as, as a family. We've been considering kind of what's the vision for us? What are we aiming to be for these next 25 years in our history? Um, and I've just been helping us along with Patrick and Mark to consider what kind of church are we aiming to be in this next 25 years of our history? And I'll touch on John 4 again this morning, but I also want to base us in Uh, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. It'll be familiar to many of you, but it might be brand new to some of you. Don't know. Uh, If you're brand new here, welcome. Really glad that you're here. And uh, if you don't know me, my name's Philip, and I'm going to teach from the Bible. And the Bible says this in Matthew 28, verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Um, just as an aside, we're kind of playing around with the lighting at the moment as to what's the kind of best lighting for us to have. We're going to stay gloomy or atmospheric, I should say, or intimate uh, for this particular sermon because I want to show you a video a bit later on and it helps with the lighting. So if you like intimate and uh, moody, this is for you. Uh, if you prefer light and the light bouncing off my head, sorry, you get that next week instead. Uh, so we've been spending three weeks, as I say, looking at something of the vision that we as elders particularly feel that like God's put before us to, as it were, aspire to be. And we've been saying, I hope you've been hearing if you've been around, that we exist to be, or we exist simply to help people know God, to be known and loved within the family of God, and to make God known. It's really important you hear all three. We're not just individuals looking to know God and make God known on a kind of individual track. We're a family, we're doing it together in a context and atmosphere in which each of us is able to be known and loved. Now the next four weeks is kind of about um, double-clicking, as it were, on that sentence. If you double-click on it, what do you find behind? So we're going to kind of take us into the, the, some of the more the depth and the substance and the context of what lies behind that substance or that statement. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks looking, if you like, at, at the hows. How are we going to be a family more and more that increases in knowledge of God, in being known and loved, and in making God known? What, the, what are the values going to be along the way as we aim to do that? So I guess it's a bit like the vehicles and the values over these next four weeks. And I've kind of, or we as a team, have kind of summarized those values under four E's. So as you dig into this vision statement, knowing God, being known and loved, making God known, we're going to dig in and find there are four E's, four values that we want to find if you touch the life of the church anywhere. And they go like this, that we want to be a family who are continually exploring the gospel. And that's this morning's subject where we are encountering together the presence of God. Where thirdly, we are empowered by the Spirit to do all that we're called to do. And fourthly, that we're a family that engages lovingly with the community and the nation and the world around us. And this morning is this whole value of exploration. It's not a Bible word necessarily, but it encapsulates much of what we believe the Bible teaches us. What do we mean by exploring, exploration? I'm sure it kind of brings up certain images in your mind's eye. Let me just explain it one way. One of, my, one of my favorite childhood memories is where my dad used to take us children, I was the oldest of four, um, so I was the kind of one that you know, had the experiments in some ways. We, uh, 
on Daddy's Days. He used to take us on Daddy's Days, a special day or a weekend that was just for us and one child and him. And a particular Daddy's Day that I remember, or weekend, was being taken to climb Mount Snowden. I think I was nine years old at the time. I checked with my dad this week and he vaguely remembered. Um, he didn't have any photos, sadly, so this is not a, a specific photo. It's a generic photo, but it is definitely is Snowden, I promise you. And we were taken, well, he took me and another dad took his nine-year-old son to climb Mount Snowden. And it really sticks in my memory as often it does when our parents invest in specific time with us. And it, for me, it was very much a kind of exploring adventure, climbing Snowdon with my dad. It was an adventure of exploration. What do I mean by that? Well, there were challenges to explore and overcome. I remember it was particularly cold and windy. I think I was doing that nine-year-old, go and speak, blah, 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 because I'm so cold type thing. We explored and overcame those challenges. We had a destination we wanted to reach, the top and the bottom. That's part of exploring. You have a destination in mind. You might not always know what it is, but you want to get somewhere. Thirdly, we decided to explore a different route on the way back, which almost ended in slight disaster, but fortunately we still made it way back. And there was a sense of me, I was a first time explorer. I hadn't climbed Snowden before, I was only nine years old. So I was doing it for the first time, whereas my dad, it was the fifth time that he had climbed Mount Snowden. Um, but he was doing it for the first time with me. So he was repeating his exploration in some ways, but from a different angle. What does it mean to get your nine-year-old son up and down? So we were exploring together as well. There was an opportunity for me to explore character growth. I had to grow in determination and uh, in trust of my dad and so on and so forth. And I think for me at least it encapsulates much of what exploring is about. Exploring is about seeking. It's about learning. It's about finding a way. It's about daring. It's about overcoming, growing, not giving up. And exploring is about doing it together as well. I've been reading Ranulph Fiennes' book called Heroes. In fact, Ranulph Fiennes was here last Monday uh, doing an evening. He's a famous explorer. I was hoping to be able to come, but couldn't make it. But I've been reading his book. And as inspiring as many of his accounts are, much of them are done alone. And uh, part of me, maybe part of you, kind of rises in awe to the kind of the, the solo guy making it to the North Pole. I read recently that Andy Murray, the tennis player, his brother-in-law has recently become the youngest ever um, solo, the youngest ever individual person to get to the North Pole and back. And part of me thinks, wow. But actually, I think certainly for me and certainly for the sweep of scripture, exploration happens best together. I wouldn't have made it up on my own. <laughs> certainly wouldn't have made it back down again. <laughs> Exploration happens in family, happens in community, happens together. And the Great Commission in Matthew 28, in some respects, is all about exploration. It's all about a commission to explore, to overcome, to do so together. Let me just break it down a little bit for you, show you what I mean. There are three particularly key statements or components to Jesus' Great Commission. He says, first of all, go therefore and make disciples of all nations which you could say is a commission to help people explore the claims of Jesus. You can't become a disciple of Jesus without having explored the claims of Jesus. The second thing that Jesus says is baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, help people to explore what it means to give their life to Jesus. Baptism is not the means by which we're saved, but it's a demonstration of the fact that we are saved. Thirdly, Jesus says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. In other words, help them to explore what it means to live each day of their life devoted to me. 
So you could say, we are here, if, if exploration is part of the culture, part of the value that we have when you double click on the vision, we're here to help everyone, whether you're new, whether you've been here for 50 years, well, 25 years, we're here to help everyone explore God, explore Jesus. Firstly, explore the claims of Jesus. Is he who he says he is? That's the fundamental heart of the Christian faith. Secondly, to explore what it means to give your life to Jesus, to cross the line of faith, as it were, from the old to the new. And thirdly, to explore what it means to live each day of our lives devoted to Jesus. So exploration is for all of us. Let me unpack those three things. First of all, we wanna help people to explore the claims of Jesus. That's one component of a, a culture of exploration within this vision statement. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And to become a disciple, as I say, you've got to first explore the claims of Jesus. That's the fundamental thing. If you're new to Christianity, new to faith, like well done for being here to ask those questions and to deal with church and all its strangeness. And maybe you've got friends who are looking into these things, but the fundamental question is not about evolution or about suffering or about uh, truth, although those things are so important. The fundamental question to explore is, was Jesus who he says he was? Was he God? Did he die for us and rise physically from death to life? See, the Christian faith is not about having blind faith. I think some of my uh, unbelieving friends would sometimes kind of suggest that. It's not about having blind faith. 1 Peter 3.15 says that a Christian is somebody who has a reason for their faith and can give reasons for their faith. And if we return to this foundational passage... John chapter four, uh, that we've been using so much in this series, we can see how committed Jesus is to helping people, first of all, explore who he is, explore his claims. I.e., in John four, he practices himself what he preaches to us in, in Matthew 28, helping people to explore his claims. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you've not been here for the last few weeks, John chapter four, in simple terms, recounts the story of Jesus conversing with and leading to faith a Samaritan woman as the, in the context of a discussion over water at the well that she comes to draw water from. And so, like, bowled over is she by her encounter with this extraordinary man, this extraordinary Jesus, that in verse 29, she goes to her community and she says to them, come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Can he be the Christ? And many of them, it turns, also believe in turn. But before that, before this kind of multiplication of, of belief in the context of community, Jesus leads her in exploring who he is, his claims. And if you've read this passage, and as life groups, I hope we've been kind of digging into the substance of it because there's so much in John chapter four, Jesus makes some pretty bold claims about himself just in this one passage. In verses 10 and 14, he, he makes the claim to be able to give her living water, to give her something that will only ever satisfy and that she'll never exhaust he claims to be the source of eternal life. In verse 24, he claims to be able to speak for God and to know the kind of people that God is looking for, worshippers in spirit and in truth. In verse 26, he, he claims to be the Christ, the one whom the Hebrew scriptures have predicted for hundreds of years would come and rescue the people. And ultimately, there's a claim to divinity within that, within that statement. But he doesn't just state his claims and then put his hands in his pockets and say, well, so, he helps her to explore them. He helps her to navigate her doubts and uncertainty. 
See, doubt within the context of expiration is always part of people coming to often. It's always part of people coming towards faith, wondering, doubting, challenging. As a church, we, we need to be okay with that, comfortable with that. Jesus was. Did you notice that about the Great Commission? It's remarkable. Did you notice that? This amazing moment, the resurrected Jesus, about to ascend in glory. Like if I'm there with the resurrected Jesus, putting my hands in his, putting my fingers in the holes in his hands, I, I'm, I'm ready to go, I think. And yet it says, and some doubted. And yet Jesus remarkably still commissions them to go and, and make him known. See, doubt is always something to be challenged, especially in the context of faith. We don't leave people there. But equally, we, we learn to be comfortable with it. It strikes me that there's two sides of the same coin in the Bible. On the one hand, Jude says, have mercy on those that doubt. And on the other hand, there are scriptures that exhort believers, particularly, not to dwell on their doubts, not to give in to their doubts, but to seek community and to seek truth and to apply truth to themselves and to to find faith rising. It's kind of two sides of the same coin. But doubt is always at play in the context of exploring faith, and it's at play in the context of being a committed Christian. But as a family that know and love one another, we're okay to express those and then speak in love and affirmation and truth and encouragement to see us grow and thrive. There's so much in this one passage that teaches us about how Jesus helps people just to explore his claims. And last week and this week, I was just so wanting to unpack it, so excited about helping to equip us for evangelism effectively. But that's, I believe that's for next year. So next year we'll do a little series just on this passage again as to how Jesus goes about helping people to come towards him. There's loads in there. But I want to be faithful to what I think God is saying. As much as I'd love to get into that now, I think there's a kind of prophetic moment here. I mentioned last week and I mentioned again that what God is saying to us, this church family at this time, when it comes to making him known for, the, for this season, I think he's saying something like this. It's less about putting our feet in the shoes of Jesus and more about stepping into the shoes of the Samaritan woman. Now, of course, we want to imitate Jesus. We want to do the things that he did. But I do believe there's a moment that God would say, for us, King's Church, less about looking to imitate Jesus at this moment and more humbling ourselves and stepping into the feet of the woman. You see, she made God known. She went to her community and said, come, come and explore what I found. But not because anybody told her to do so, not because she had a 10-week training track on the skills of evangelism. As I said last week, she did that absolutely naturally because she encountered Jesus. She made God known because she knew God. And what I think God is saying to us is that in this moment, our fundamental priority is to simply know God. In other words, evangelism comes from the place of encounter. And next week we'll look at the second E, what it means to be a family who encounter the presence of God personally, corporately, tangibly, meaningfully. Let me just tell you a quick story. I hope it illustrates that. A couple of weeks ago, Carol and I were, we took a couple of days holiday um, just to specifically kind of pray, basically. We really wanted just to seek God, particularly for our family and for the future. And obviously it overlaps into you, our our other family, our church family. And uh, we wanted to go away, but it turns out that nice retreat places don't want to, baby to keep everybody else up so we were kind of kept here and we went to Richmond Park instead during the summer and just uh, just spent a couple of days really just praying uh, enjoying God walking um, talking about what we were hearing from God it was a really special time and on the first day we were just walking in Richmond Park sun was shining just enjoying God praying worshiping thanking him and we um, bumped into a an older gentleman on a bench with a little dog and his name's Ron 
And I kind of vaguely knew him, but Caroline had, had connected with him because he lives in the tower block on the Cambridge estate that we used to live in. And uh, as I say, Caroline had, had sort of made some kind of initial um, friendships with him when we were living in that place. And we just got talking, and uh, we were kind of asking, I think, both of us in our minds, like, God, what, what do you want to do here? And we didn't really feel anything other than just kind of keep asking questions, keep listening. And we did that. And, and Ron, this older guy, just began to uh, just kind of pour out his life, really, in quite a remarkable way. He just told us things about his life and things about his context and his background. And gosh, the, whew, the, he had a tough life. Man, the pain that that man has uh, lived through was, was something else to hear. Uh, and we're kind of asking in our minds, God, do you want to say something here? What do you want to do? Um, and all we really felt was just to keep asking questions. And towards the end, I did say to him, Ron, what would, what would make your life, what would, what would bring some happiness, I think I said, into, into your life? And he said, you know what, I'd, I'd love a garden, because <laughs> he lives in a, in, a, in a tower block, and I think that's why he was in the Richmond Park, because like, he called it his garden. <laughs> it's a pretty impressive garden to have. I said, I love a garden. Oh, okay. Anyway, later on that week, I thought, well, I, I wonder how I, can anything we can do around that? And those of you who know me know that the practical DIY gardening skills are not top of my uh, forte list, as it were. But I did, just fa- I did just contact Kingston Council, and you can apply to have a slot in an allotment. In, um, you can have an allotment in, within the borough. And that's the end of the story, by the way. There is no great... And we found him an allotment, and now he's come to faith, and he's making the whole faith known to the tower block, and they've all come to faith, saying, that's just, this is just where the story ends for the moment. And I'll chase up Kingston Borough Council, but this is the moment how the story has gone. And my point is... Evangelism comes from the place of encounter. Like for us, because we were encountering God in Richmond Park, praying, enjoying him, worshipping him, it was the most natural thing in the world to make something of him known to Ron. Something of his, God's love, God's listening ear, God's compassion, only a little bit. But neither of us thought, now, shall we do some evangelism at this point? It just came as a bit of an overflow, really. And like I say, it didn't lead to anything. It hasn't yet led to anything dramatic and spectacular because I'm just learning along with you guys. But I think what God would say to us is evangelism, making God known, will come from knowing God. Evangelism comes from the place of encounter. And I know many of you yearn and long to be increasingly natural and fruitful and joyful evangelists. And sometimes I think God would say to you, that I see your yearning, and the pressure's off. Just, just know me. Just seek me. Wherever your well is, encounter me. I'll be there. You'll find living water that will satisfy you. And it'll be the most natural thing in the world. Yes, we'll equip each other as family, give tools, and, and help each other and do it together. But evangelism will come from the place of encounter. Second aspect of exploring, of course, is not just helping people to explore the claims of Jesus, but helping people to explore what it means to give their life to Jesus. If, if you are here just looking in on this whole Christian thing, well done for being here, and you're welcome to be here for as long as you wish. You might decide you don't believe this stuff, and you're still welcome to be here with us. But just like cards on the table moment, just speaking honestly, face to face, you need to know that our, our heart for you is for you, we're for you. And because we're convinced of the truth and the wonder of the gospel, then our ultimate heart for you is that you wouldn't stay exploring the claims of Jesus, that you'd explore what it means to give your life to Jesus. That's just a kind of cards on the table moment. That's what we're ultimately wanting for you. That's a big part of what exploration here is, helping people to explore, not just observing and wondering and challenging, but stepping over the line of faith. And you see it in Matthew 28. 
Jesus is commanding not only that we help people towards faith, as it were, but we help them to cross the line of faith by the power that he will give. He's the one who says he will do it and equip us. Look at the John 4 text. That woman goes off to her community. She tells them her story. She makes an invitation. She asks a question. Three good things. And the result, John 4, 42. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. I want you to notice something there. What is the crucial factor in these people coming to faith? It's meeting Jesus. They're saying, as much as your testimony drew us in and helped us to explore, what's caused us to really believe is that we met Jesus ourselves. He's the one, God's the one that causes salvation. Psalm Psalm chapter three and verse eight, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's a gift of his. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, faith, the faith to be saved, Paul says, is a gift from God in itself. So our role as believers, if you're a believer, is is to seek God, to know him, to enjoy him, It's to testify, as that woman did, to invite, to ask questions, and so on and so forth. But God's role is to do the saving. He does that. Now for me, that that allows me to sit in the sweet spot of, I guess you might call it, peace and ambition. Peace in the sense that ultimately, it's, it's of God. I referred last week to Murray's testimony and to Bobby as well, and they allowed me just to make reference to it. Both those guys came to faith because they just chose, or God put something in them one day through the context of life to simply open the Bible. Outside of church, open the Bible, and they found they met Jesus within the pages of the Bible. Came to faith, came here saying, I think I'm a Christian, when can I be baptized? God did that, none of us did. He's the one that does this. And at the same time, he does call us to partner with him, to testify, to invite, and so on and so forth. And Jesus is really clear in the Great Commission. Baptism is right at the heart of what it means to cross the line of faith. Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples, and baptize them, Father, Son, and Spirit. Just as an aside, that's why we're saying we're about knowing God because God encapsulates Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinitarian God that we serve and make known. But baptism's right at the heart for Jesus of what it means to cross the line of faith. Baptism is not the means of salvation, but it is a demonstration of salvation. And it's been so encouraging recently to to hear from some of these guys and say, I want to get baptized because I see it in the pages of scripture. And we're going to have a baptism service anytime soon. We're working really hard to get a date and a venue to do that baptism service and more news soon. And we're going to baptize Murray and David. And then last week, a third person said, "I'm, I'm in as well. And it might be for you that you've been a Christian maybe for a little while, but you've not yet been baptized as a believer. Jesus is saying that's right at the heart of what it means to explore actually coming to saving faith. Right at the heart of his parting shots to the disciples. Help people explore my claims and help them cross the line of faith to be a follower of mine. And that is symbolized and signified by believers' baptism. If you've got questions about infant baptism, believers' baptisms, immersion, all that kind of stuff, then we can chat afterwards. But for the moment, that's what we're putting before you. I want to show you just a short video. It does a couple of things. It connects with some of our vision abroad and also connects with what I'm saying right now. So many of you will know John and Sophie Ford who left here in 2013 to uh, start and plant a new church in Istanbul. 
In simple terms, their passion, driving passion, was to make God known to those that don't know him. So they left everything behind, took a small team with them, spent two years learning language and culture. 2015 started Life Church Uskadar, Istanbul, and it's a privilege just to partner with them, to pray for them. I know Paul and Blinda recently visited them, and I think Louise and Mark and Kate are going out shortly, and John will be here later this term. But he just sent us a short video just to help us see what's happening, and it particularly relates to, um, to baptism. So can we just roll the video, Jamie? Thank you. Same vision in many ways, helping people to come explore the claims of Jesus, step over the line of faith, be baptized, and then as we're about to see, uh, explore what it means to live devoted to Jesus. So if baptism has been on your heart, if you're not sure about it, come and ask me questions, speak to your life group leader. We will get that date nailed in pretty soon, that venue nailed in pretty soon, and we'll do the same thing. We'll celebrate uh, doing exactly what Jesus commissioned us to do all those 2,000 years ago, baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be good. Third aspect of exploration is this. We want to be a family that help people to explore what it means to live devoted to Jesus. So yes, exploring the claims of Jesus. Yes, exploring crossing the line of faith and, and living for Jesus, or yeah, becoming a follower of Jesus. And thirdly, living devoted to Jesus. Back to the Great Commission. Go therefore, make disciples, help exploration, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, exploring saving faith, And then thirdly, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. If that is anything, that is Jesus saying, that's a a command, help people, Jesus is saying, explore maturity and growth and obedience, indeed radical obedience, if it's all that Jesus commanded. I'll just go back to my... I'll let some of you write that down. But in, in a moment, Peter, we'll, we'll move slides. But whilst you're writing that down, I can see some of you scribbling. We'll go back to my Snowden story with my, um, with my father uh, climbing Mount Snowden. It strikes me that, I checked, this, checked it with him this week, he had climbed Mount Snowden a number of times before. In fact, he had climbed it in the summer. He climbed it in the winter before. He had walked up it. He had ran up it. He had got very cold on it. He had got very hot on it. He had explored all kinds of aspects of climbing Mount Snowden. But I did check this with him. He was still exploring. He wasn't just thinking, well, I I guess I've done this before, so I'll I'll just accompany somebody else up. Yes, he was exploring what it meant to help me come up the mountain and back down again, but he also was exploring for himself. I told you before that he found a new route on the way back down again. He was equally as excited, I remember it, to to find a way up Snowden, to find a way back down again, to, to watch the clock and see how fast we could do it. He hadn't stopped exploring just because he'd been doing it for a while. In fact, quite the opposite. He was probably even more excited to keep on doing so. Exploration is for all of us. It needs to be right at the heart of who a follower of Christ, a, a member of the King's Church family is. If you came to faith two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, any advance on 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, is expiration for you in King's Church? Absolutely it is. It's right at the heart of who a believer in Christ is. Now, our passage in John 4 doesn't help us so much with this because we don't know how this burgeoning first Christian community kind of What happened next? We don't know how they matured and grew and overcame challenges and so on. But we do from the rest of the New Testament. It strikes me as a reading Testament that Christian exploration is right at the heart of all they do. 
And one of the things I love about the gospel, by which I mean specifically the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done, but also the, the sweep of the whole of the word of God, is it is both incredibly simple and incredibly profound all at the same moment. So think about it, the good news of who Jesus is. There's a Philippian jailer in the book of Acts, chapter 16, who comes to faith in a moment because he understands his fallenness, his sin, who Jesus is, and that faith in Jesus means that he's saved in the family of God forever. Bang, done. And he's baptized afterwards, straight away. Point of reference, point of note. But the same good news, the same gospel of who Jesus is and what he's done, can also be spoken of by one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, Paul, who wrote Bible. This guy you know, knew some stuff, to put it mildly. Paul describes the gospel as, in Ephesians 3, 8, the unsearchable riches of Christ. It is both very simple and it is both deeply profound all at the same time. In in that same chapter, Ephesians chapter 3, a few verses later, Paul prays for for the Christians in Ephesus. Men and women like you and I, he prays for them. And he prays this, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, not least together in community, in family. I pray that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And what he's saying is, I'm going to pray for my church family, Paul's saying. I'm going to pray, basically, that you never stop exploring the wonder of the gospel. There are unsearchable riches to be found. You are never going to tie. In fact, there's knowledge that surpasses knowledge, i.e., you'll never know all that is to be known about the wonder of the gospel, the depth of the good news, the character of God. He even says the fullness of God will begin to dwell in you more and more and more. So if God is like what we, who he said he is in our Spotlight series, all-knowing, all-powerful, full of grace, holiness, just anger, love, etc. If he's like that, Paul's saying, that God, you're never going to tire of exploring what it means for him to dwell in you. The fullness of him? God? You'll never tire of that. And I pray that you don't because the riches of God, of Christ, are unsearchable. Paul would have had no concept that anybody could ever stop exploring the wonder of who God is, the depth and the majesty of the love of God. He's like, it's so broad and wide and high and deep and long. You'll just keep doing that forever and ever and ever. And then one day, you'll meet with Christ forever and you'll realize you only knew 1% in the first place. Is exploration for all of us? Absolutely it is. I love 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Peter is talking about the good news. And I guess he means both the gospel the announcement of Jesus, what he's done, and also the the word of God in its entirety, the character of God. And he says this remarkable thing about the good news. He says, even angels long to look into these things. Even angels long to look into these things. This week, Jamie and I were reading together in the book of Judges, and I'll try and tell the story very quickly, but we were, there's a, uh, a part in there which refers to an angel, and then we went from that angel and looked at another angel, Gabriel, I think it was, in, in, in Matthew, and then back to where Gabriel appears, to Daniel, and thinking about this angel, this magnificent, supreme, supernatural, sinless being. It's always existed. It's in the, like, the presence of God, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Peter says, <coughs> what you have in front of you, angels, Angels long to look into these things. I don't really understand the fullness of that other than angels are saying, we 
just want to we just want to know more of this and they know a lot i think angels are never going to tire exploring the wonder and the magnificence of the gospel of the word of god of the character of god i just this week i asked some of the more mature members of our church family, some of the mums and dads of our church family. What does it mean to you uh, to explore and to keep on exploring? And uh, I think I might have left my notes down here. I just want to read to you some of the things um, that they said. These are people who've been following Christ for like 25, 30, 35, 40 years, longer than some of you have been alive. One person said, well, A disciple means lifelong learner. So yes, I'm still exploring. And they're right, disciple literally in Greek means learner. Somebody else said, age doesn't lead me to ever stop being a disciple of Christ. For me, although knowledge about him is important, relationship is of greater value. As his character is so great, there is no end to my building relationship with him. That's to do with exploring the height and the love and the depth and the width of the love of God. Somebody else said, it's important to stay young at heart and remain humble. We will never learn everything about God. We cannot plumb his depths. There's always something new, fresh insight into well-known scriptures. Keep you on exploring. Somebody else said, exploring has been an ever-changing journey. It seems like I've been led through every kind of terrain on the journey up the mountain. For example, living through the ups and downs, making mistakes, living with consequences, discovering how faithful God is, how much he loves me and works in my life to train and mold. He is a rock and also a plumb line. I just found that so inspiring. I really did. Thank you to those that that told me and told us that. Because it kind of proves what I, I know, which is that to be a follower of Christ is to be a lifelong learner. You never tire of exploring the wonder and the depths of who God is. And so if you're right at the beginning of your journey, my message to you is come and do what we're doing. Come and join us in exploring the gospel. You might be at the stage of thinking about the claims. That's fine, do that, it's important. You might be here this morning thinking, I've done that and I don't know everything. But as David testified recently and others testified, you get to a point where you think, God is doing a work in me. I know enough, as Romans 10 says, to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. We'd love to help you do that this morning and to be baptized sooner rather than later as a clear profession of that. And and thirdly, we'd love as a family to help each other keep on exploring, keep on digging, keep on climbing the mountain, keep on overcoming challenges, keep on finding new ways to get to the top. I just want to mention one thing that kind of ties in that and it goes back to our commitment and our partnership with John and Sophia Istanbul. So it might feel tangential, but bear with me. One of the books that, I, that has been particularly foundational in our family of churches, New Ground, New Frontiers, God's Lavish Grace by Terry Virgo. Who's read that here? Yeah, so a good, a reasonable number. Um, if you want to know what it is to explore living each day of your life for God, this is a great book to read. And not because Terry will say, you need to pray more, you need to read your Bible more, you need to fast, you need to make God known, you need to do this, this, and this, and this. In fact, he comes from a place in his teenage years of having felt a bit like that. Oh, I don't know, I can't do everything right and well enough. And then finding the grace of God, i.e. the unconditional favor and love and delight of God every day because I'm in Christ. Finding that, 
by exploring who God is, has been his foundational message for 50 plus years. And Terry was part of this church for a while, and one of the things I remember most about him was he smiled a lot. (laughs) And man, that guy's got some scars from knowing God and making God known. But he smiled a lot. Why? Because he never tired. of exploring the grace of God. And so, I don't know why I'm getting all emotional, I've got a cold as well, rubbish. What I wanna do is a couple of things. One, I wanna put this book before us as a church family afresh, because some of you are really new here, which is really exciting. Some of you are new to faith, some of you are new to the church, some of you are just looking in, wondering. If you wanna li- explore what it means to live each day of your life for God, this will really help you. And I have 10 copies, eight of which you can borrow out the back, you just I think Kate will have them for you. Just sign up, put your name in them, and you can borrow. Either pay it forward and give it to somebody else. Seen that film, Pay It Forward? It's like you do something and then you give it to somebody else and it multiplies. Or just give it back. I've got two free copies to give away. So, first two hands up can have these two free copies. David and. That's quite a good throw and a good catch, actually. I just lobbed it. <laughs> Steph, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, but my competitive edge will make me have a go. I would advise you to part the Red Sea. Emma, watch out. I don't want to decapitate your head. Oh. Very safe. Where was the lunge forward, Steph? The commitment to catching it. And there are eight more to borrow if you want to behind there. And something else we're going to do is I was speaking to John, Istanbul John, Life Churches, Uskadar, helping people explore the claims, explore, giving their life, and explore knowing God. And I said, What else would bless you? Obviously, we may not be obvious to you, but we partner with him through financial giving from our overall budget. We go and visit them, as I've already said. We're going to have John here. We pray for them. I said, What else would help us bless you? as you make God known to those who don't know him in Istanbul. He said, well, there is one thing. We're hoping to translate God's lavish grace into Turkish so that he can help his people, like he said, not just explore claims of Jesus and coming to faith in Jesus, but living each day of their life for Jesus. He said, it'll really help us, but it's not been translated yet. So he spoke to Terry. Terry said, yeah, go ahead. He's got a translator ready to go, uh, but he needs money to be able to do it, which is where you and I come in. So what I would love us to do as a family is to raise enough money to have that book translated into Turkish so it will bless his, his, his church and who knows how many other churches across Turkey with a clear resource that helps people in this particular instance to live each day exploring the grace of God which is utterly life-changing. So here's how you can join in. There is a, a contactless system at the back of the, connect, the connect point. You go to Kate, you just tap on your debit card or your credit card for anything at all you'd like to give. One pound, five pound, ten pounds. Or you can give, if you want to think about it more, you can give through the church suite on the website that tell you the normal bank details. You just give through our bank system and you just give a clear reference that it's for Philip's Holiday Fund 2019. <laughs> it's for John and the translation thing. And we'll do the same again next week. But it's just a small but really powerful opportunity, I think, to partner with our partners in seeing the whole package, as it were. People exploring claims, wondering who God is. That's what John's about. Muslims thinking, I know who Jesus is, but is he really who he says he is? Helping people to cross the line of faith and being baptized, as we saw. And then fulfilling the third component of the Great Commission, helping people to live radically obedient And if you come from a Muslim context in Turkey, that call is right there up front. Wow, 
being obedient to Jesus in that context. And this book could really help people. And who knows how many other people it could help. So I hope that makes sense. There's a great opportunity before us. We want to raise about $3,000, which will get this project done. And I think we can easily do that. And if you've got no money at all, one less coffee and £2.49, that's a great gift. God loves a cheerful, generous giver, whatever that context means for you, and who knows where the gospel can go. I have talked for long enough, and the time is 10 to 12, and we need to finish um, because there's a, there are people coming in more quickly than normal. So here's how I'd love us to respond. I wonder whether, Jamie, you could lead us in a, uh, in a song. And I would love us just to kind of recap, even now as I'm talking, just kind of recap in your mind, where do you... What's the best way of phrasing it? Where do you sit in those three exploration components? Are you somebody who was thinking, is this a place where I can really explore the claims of Jesus? I I want to say to you, yes, it is. Join the Alpha course, it's not too late, it's only just started. Are you wanting to help people explore the claim of Jesus? I know many of you are. I think God is saying, don't worry so much about what you do, just come and seek me. Find me, know me, encounter me. Are you somebody who's been exploring but hasn't yet crossed the line of faith and hasn't been baptized as a result of that? Is God saying to you this morning that this is your time to cross the line of faith and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead? Is it time to get baptized as a confession of that reality? And then the third component is what does it mean to keep on exploring? Maybe you've got a bit tired. You're kind of just going through the motions. You wouldn't say your Christian life is exploring up a mountain, overcoming challenges, battling obstacles, finding new destinations and fresh purpose. You say, I kind of feel like I'm at a base camp. Just, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay to come as you are. Just don't stay as you are. Let God lead you into a fresh season of exploration and you will never tire of exploring the depths of the grace of God, the height and the breadth and the depth and the width of the love of God. And so for you, this moment might be about just talking to God, grabbing the person next to you. So I, I wanna go again. I wanna be an explorer again. Yes, I wanna help others, but I wanna do so from the place of personal encounter and exploration. Those are just three ways you might want to think about responding. I would not, I want you to respond in one of those three ways because I believe God is speaking in these next few minutes. And then afterwards, it'd be great if we were to express generosity to make God known into Istanbul. So I'm actually not going to pray. I'm just going to leave just a time of silence. And then Jamie, after a little while, maybe you could invite us to stand and to sing. I've spoken a lot and I want us to have time to genuinely, prayerfully respond. So let's use these few moments just to Reflect, please.